Hello, welcome to Secure Talk, your trusted source of information on the latest threats, trends, tools, and technology related to cybersecurity and compliance. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Secure Talk Podcast. I'm Mark Schreiner, and I'll be your host for this episode of Secure Talk. Today, we are welcoming back W. Curtis Preston, aka Mr. Backup. Curtis is an expert in backup and recovery systems. It's a space that he's been working in since 1993. He's written four books on the subject. And currently, he's the chief technical evangelist at Druva, a data protection as a service company. He's also the host of the Restore It All podcast and the founder and webmaster of Backup Central, a website dedicated to backup and recovery. We're going to be talking to Curtis about data protection as a service. We're also going to touch on some backup basics. And then we're going to talk about, you know, how uh, attackers these days, they're actually going after the backup systems that companies are using. Before we do all that, say hi to Curtis. Curtis, how are you doing today? I'm great. Always, always happy to chat about my favorite stuff. Yeah. And I would always be great if I was living down in the San Diego area. We touched on that last time, but uh, <laughs> I think it's a, we, it's a tough gig, man. Tough gig. Tough gig. Well, uh, you know, I know that LA and that whole area got hit with a lot of rain this year. Did that also affect you guys? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, I, um, I actually just the other day, know there was a five gallon bucket in my backyard and there was about eight inches of rain in there, which wow. that's like more rain than we've had in the last five years, but it all happened in one month. That's amazing. And I, and I know that, well, not just California, but the whole Southwest is drastically yeah. in need of precipitation. Um, I, just last year, I read an article about the Great Salt Lake and it was going to disappear in three years. And now they're like, oh no, it's not going anywhere. It's, it's going to stay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Unfortunately, the, the storms didn't continue over into Colorado where we get most of our water from. Right. Right. The, the that Colorado snowpack. River, but yeah. Yeah, that's a whole whole interesting conversation. I, I got to ask you one thing before we get into the topic at hand. Sure. Every time I drive through California, I see these big signs, these bill, billboards that say, tell Newsom to stop wasting our water. I, I did a little a drill down on it. And um, apparently, if we just recapture the water that flows through L.A. during oh, a rainstorm. that. Okay. That's just wrong. Um, <laughs> so, so. So, it sounds so simple, okay. man. <laughs> so, so I actually, so, so you asked the right guy because I know a guy, right? A guy that works for the well. He at this point he worked for the water, the water uh, department, right? Yeah. And what they're talking about is the majority of the rain that falls in on coastal cities just go into the drain and go out to the ocean. Yeah. And the the, the reason for that is that turning oil-soaked water into drinkable water is a near-impossible task, mm. right? Um, that, and that's the, that's the very... Basically, you can take just about everything out of water. Um, it's easier to do what's called toilet-to-tap, yeah. right? It's easier to do that than it is to take the water that's covered in road contaminants and then turn that into anything that's usable. So Make, makes sense. Um, I lived in Singapore for four years and they do a lot of that toilet to tap there because they don't have any natural water resources. Exactly. Yet. And, uh, and it was amazing. And you, you just try not to think about it, but, uh, yeah. we survived yeah. four years there. So, Hey, um, yeah. to kick things off, you know, why don't you t talk? I mean, you've got so much experience in backups. Let's just do like, um, a first off explain what is data protection as a service? 
Well, it, it's pretty simple if you if you compare it to like everybody knows what Exchange is and everybody knows what Microsoft 365 is, right? So typical companies, when they do backup and recovery, they do it like Exchange. They have a server, they put some software on it. They might buy an appliance that that already has the software on it, but generally speaking, it's a box with some software uh, in their data center. And then you have Microsoft 365, which is as a service, right? You just go to a website and you use uh, whatever you need to use. That's backup as a service, uh, which is basically instead of running and maintaining and most importantly, securing a backup server in your data center, uh, you just go to a website, uh, in this case, druva.com, and you say, you know, I have these servers over here that need protecting. I, I need to back up Microsoft 365. Here's my laptop. You just basically authenticate it with the right things. You might, depending on what you're backing up, you might need to install an agent. Um, and then all of the infrastructure um, that is required to create your backups, store your backups, and secure your backups, all of that infrastructure is managed by the service provider, in this case, Druva. And it's made possible by deduplication, by what's called source-side deduplication. So uh, basically this is technology that we've had for about 20 years now, where uh, we identify duplicate data in the backup and source-side meanings, it, that means that we do the, uh, or client-side, if you will, we identify the duplicate data at the thing being backed up and so we don't actually have to send it across the network. And that's that's how it's possible to back up a pretty large data center or a large laptop or uh, you know whatever we're backing up uh, across you know relatively limited bandwidth because we, we eliminate most of the transfer. And I'm assuming this can be automated and you could set a schedule um, for- Yeah, that, exactly. Yeah, that's the whole point, right? Is it basically, the, the, it should be, you know, I, it's a, it's a trite phrase, but it should be set it and forget it, right? You should be, um, and if you have a good uh, data protection as a service, they're also doing using mon uh, modern technologies like machine learning uh, and AI to look for patterns so that they can detect abnormal activity, both from a you know, uh, hey, this server is a lot bigger than it used to be, or this server stopped backing up when it used to, uh, or uh, this server, and the reason, by the way, if the server is a lot bigger than it used to be, it could be because it, it's being encrypted, right? If a lot of files are being encrypted, suddenly the backups jump in size, and so that's a security alert. Or you're deleting a bunch of, somebody's deleting a bunch of backups. A lot of automation should be in there as part of that service, helping it to make sure that the backups continue um, you know, uh, cool. every so day. So what, what you're saying is that you can automate the backup, not just based upon a schedule, but also it can be triggered by certain e events or activities? No. no. So great question. So th your, your first question was, can it be automated with a schedule? Yes, yes. absolutely. Right. Okay. Um, and, and that's typically you're saying, I want to back up once a day, once an hour, once every five minutes, depending on what it is that you're backing and uh, it just depends on the, you know, we talk about the RTO and the RPO, the recovery time objective, how quickly you want to restore and how much data you're, you will accept as a loss, right? 
because uh, that will determine how often. So that that should be a one-time setup. You actually, you create backup configurations per backup type, right? So you're like, my VMware, I'm going to back up like this. My laptops, I'm going to back up like this. Uh, let's say SQL Server, I'm going to back up like this. And uh, Microsoft 365, I'm going to back up like this. You create a backup configuration. And then when you get a new VMware box, you just go back it up like all my other VMware boxes, right? So it should be completely automated. And then what I was saying was, once that autom automation is kicked off, there are other automatic things that should also be happening where the backup provider is watching your backups, right? Gotcha. Making sure that you... Um, uh, that, that bad things aren't happening to your backups. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it, it would be interesting to say, for example, hey, we can do we can do uh, once a day backup, but if we have an extra a normal amount of activity, maybe we want to do a backup a bit earlier or something like that. Yeah, that yeah, that would be, you would just generally do that manually, right? Gotcha. Um, so. um, what are the pushbacks? I mean, obviously traditionally people felt more secure to have that little box over there and that's where all of our backups are you know obviously especially in the u.s north america probably in europe people are much more comfortable with putting things in the cloud these days um what are the chief concerns though from your customers and prospects when they're looking at um, using a backup service provider so i'd say you know currently security is the number one concern and I don't want to jump to the end of the podcast, but we're going to talk about that more in the, in, at the end of the podcast, I think, mm -hmm. um, based on what I heard you say earlier. <laughs> the other concern is bandwidth, right? So how how do I make sure that I can get my backups done, right? I have a, I have a certain amount of bandwidth. How how can I get my backups done? And then the and the other and most important question that you should be asking is how do large restores work? And um, we have great answers uh, for all those questions. The, the way the source ID duplication works hap, uh, just takes care of the bandwidth issue on the backup side. It really does for, for most environments. The, uh, you'd be amazed at the size of, of some of our data centers that we're backing up remotely over the internet. <clears throat> uh, regarding large restores, there's basically three options. You can have a local cache of the data can have a um, what's called a reverse seed, where we we ship you essentially a copy of your data on. We run an AWS, so we would ship you an AWS um, uh, device that would have your data on it that you can restore locally. Uh, that's by the way that that option the worst option. The, the RTO will be very long. You will pay mm -hmm. extra for that copy, and it will take them depending on the size of your data, it will take them a certain amount of time to copy it onto that device. Then they have to FedEx the device to you. So you're looking at multiple days, not, sure. not hours, right? Uh, the best option, I think, for large recovery is to recover in the cloud. And I think that's universally accepted for, for everybody. And so we're able to, to automatically do those large-scale recoveries in the cloud. So that generally answers the, the big question. As far as the, just my general answer on the security question, I'll take the security of even the average cloud provider over the security of the average data center any day, um, especially with with the way things are going on. When um, you say data center, you're talking about the enterprise's proprietary data, the, the, the data center. Right, that they know, right, you know, yeah. right, right. Got you. Um, 
I'm curious from where you sit, do you have any kind of metrics in terms of, you know, back in 2010, this is how many backups were being done on a monthly basis, percentage wise or nominally. And in 2015, the number of backups were either increased or decreased. But now because of all the cyber activity, the backups, I mean, is it, what, which direction is it going? Is it flat or are you seeing the requirement to, to do force yeah, a backup? Um, that's an interesting increasing. question. I don't think that cyber has pushed the number of backups or even the frequency. What I think it, what it, what it might be pushing has been a, a, a quicker migration to service-based backups like the one that I was describing with Druva. Um, but I don't, I, I don't have any data to, I would need the other side numbers to, to verify that, right? I, I know our customer base has increased. I don't know if the, the other guys, if their customer base has decreased, right? Um, or if we just took from another service provider, right? So I don't have that data, right? Well, I'm but, talking about the number of ahead, customers, I'm talking about how often companies are saying, hey, you know, we need that, uh, we need to do the restore uh, because of an incident. Oh, that has absolutely increased. I mean, the, okay. the, if you go back, um, you know, go back before the whole cyber world went crazy, there was a time when when we weren't getting ransomware attacks every, every 15 minutes, right? And if you can go back to that time, generally speaking, people didn't restore very often. Hmm. The, the only restores that um, I worked, my very first job was at a very large uh, credit card company with like 12,000 employees. Any one of those employees could call in and get a restore of a file any any time, and it, and as a result, we would do a couple of restores a day. That was pretty abnormal, but what we meaning most people don't get that level of restores. Um, I can actually, you know, now from the vendor perspective, being from Druva, I can tell you that generally speaking, people don't do a lot of restores, but the DR type restores a disaster recovery because of a cyber attack that has just skyrocketed through the roof due to um, ransomware attacks. Yeah, it, it would be interesting to see some kind of industry metric um, that 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 shows that. Um, uh, why don't we? Bet well, we well, I'll just say, yeah, I don't know about the industry, but I'll say we went from zero. Okay. <laughs> Generally speaking, people don't with, with, outside of cyber, they didn't need to do any uh disaster recoveries right because right. typically that meant a disaster right right um to uh multiple of these per week wow right so we're okay. yeah so three or three or four a week three or four times a week we are helping a customer through a ransomware attack we we just can't say the name of the company because it hasn't been vetted yet but a major retailer that um maybe not Maybe not you would know, but uh, your wife might know. She knows them um, all. She knows them all. Yeah. So <laughs> it's a it's a female uh, retailer, right? A, a retailer for females, and uh, they had a major cyber attack, and we we helped them out uh, last week, and they were very so. So we went from nothing to three or four a week. I just, in the I'm last just couple of years. I'm just imagining the the feeling of anybody, whether it's your service or not, but they having a, some type of incident. And um, they look and say, so we got the backup, right? And you got the one person, you know, one organization like, oh, yeah, you know, we got this uh, backup as a service thing. And, and, and somebody else is like, um, yeah, we did it uh, manually uh, three weeks ago. <laughs> it's like just 
Yeah. Well, Unfortunately, we did a large survey. Uh, we, we used uh, IDC right. to do a survey of over 500 companies in, um, I think it was like eight or nine countries. And of the surveys, more than half uh, were targeted with a, with a successful ransomware attack in the last three years. And 60, I was just looking at it yesterday, 61% of those targeted with a ransomware attack paid the ransom. Hey, you um, heard it here. Crime pays. Hey. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, what are the, let's go, before we get into the cybersecurity uh, topic, let's just go back a little bit further to some basics. Like if you were advising the CISO or, you know, the, the person responsible in any organization, uh, what are the two, three, four things that they have to do? Well, the, the first thing I would say is, you know, back up all the things, right? Uh, and that, that sounds like a, a very basic thing, but it's the thing I often end up spending the most time arguing. Uh, and we talked about it the last time I was on your podcast, that one of the biggest one is SaaS providers. If you've got a SaaS provider like Microsoft 365, they are most likely not backing up your data. Microsoft 365 specifically, I know, is not backing up your data, right? Um, neither is Google Workspace. You need to back up that data. You need to back up all your servers. You need to back up everything you have in the cloud. Um, I think that you should also be backing up your laptops, comma, assuming your employees are creating data and storing it on those laptops, right? I don't consider OneDrive as a backup utility. That's what probably our our number one competitor is, is kind of OneDrive, which isn't a backup tool. It's a file synchronization tool, right? Now, if you're doing that, and they're storing data on the laptops and they're putting it in OneDrive and syncing it up there. The problem with that is that there's no centralized control or management or reporting as to whether or not the process is working well, right? And then the other thing is that it's a synchronization tool, not a backup tool, which means you can overwrite what you have up in the cloud. Um, and, uh, and, then, and then most people aren't, if they're using OneDrive, they're then not backing up what's up in 365. So, uh, just back up all the things. And then the second I would say is make sure that you're meeting with your business units to get buy-in and get an RTO and an RPO for every application, right? The, the, the businesses should be deciding how much, you know, how, how long you're allowed to be down and how much data is acceptable to lose. Um, they should all be, they should be deciding that, not the folks in IT. And then, and then I guess the final one, and, and, and it's the one that I've been spending most of my time harping on lately, has been uh, your backup system is probably horribly insecure and you need to take a look at it. Um, you need to make sure the cyber folk, whatever the cyber folks you have in your company, they need to be taking a look at your backup system because it's probably not using any best practices or technologies that have come out in the last, let's say, 10 years. Well, and that kind of leads into my next question. Um, traditionally, hackers would be going after your data, certain, certain assets, not necessarily the backups first or the backups in parallel, um, but you're, you're seeing an increase in that exact type of activity. Uh, maybe you can talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so if you, there's a couple of things here. One is if you look at, uh, if, if you're like me and you, you know, you've, you have like a Google 
search running constantly for ransomware. If you read those stories, one of the things you will generally find is, you know, there'll be this, it'll just be one little line in there. What I do when I'm reading these articles, the first thing I do is I say, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Mac guy. So I say command F and then I type in backups and, um, and you'll get a little line and it says, and the backups were also encrypted, right? Um, that there are, there have been a number of, um, and so, so I was, said I was going to say two things. One is there's that, right? There's just definitely evidence that the, the hackers are going directly after the backups. And then the second is there have been a number just in the last year, I'd say, I don't know, 10 or so major security vulnerabilities, um, that were um, announced for various popular backup products, right? I don't want to pick on any one product, but I but I know of one that, that last week, um, that, that I just read an article last week and they were saying, here's a product, you know, a very well-known backup product. It has this, um, this vulnerability that allows for remote code execution. Great, right? And they said this prop, this product, or this problem, this vulnerability was fixed two years ago, and yet we're still seeing attacks based on that vulnerability today. And then they then they were able to say, um, they said, yeah, we using some tool, they discovered that there are over eight thousand unpatched backup servers of this product still in the wild out there. And if you're right. a hacker, you pay good money for that list. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you would exactly. It's my treasure map right here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, they're they're directly going after the. And I would say that they're the the threat actor gets that initial foothold into your environment. One of the first things they're now going to do is go figure out what your backup system is, hmm. and they they can very much determine, okay, it's this product, it's that product, we know how to take that product down. They take it out, and once they've figured out how to take it out of the equation, once they've got a foothold into that product, now now they're going out and they're gonna finish the attack on the rest of the environment, right? So they're, they're directly, it's sort of like, um, um, it's sort of like, um, it's like the bike lock thing, right? Nothing is 100% secure, uh, but you, you want to be the one that looks more secure than the other person, right? right. You don't want to. Uh, be so the if you've got these, yeah. uh, if you've got these servers, there's two or three products where the majority of these vulnerabilities have been coming in the last year or so. They are all Windows-based backup products, mm -hmm. um, and uh, my my Unix bigotry is showing there, but but they are all Windows-based backup products, and. Uh, you just know that the threat actor, they see that product and they're like, oh, great. Um, so it, it's, it, it means either one of two things. It means that they know that they can easily, uh, they see that the server is backup product X and they know the vulnerabilities there. They check to see if the vulnerability's been patched. No, it hasn't. Boom, we know what to do with the server and we know we could do it at any time, right? So they don't do it until they, Right until that magic moment, right? Right, uh, and then they take it out. They basically take it out of the equation, forcing you essentially to pay the ransom. Hey, 
Well, other than going with a, you know, data protection as a service uh, provider, or, you know, just doing some simple patch management or, or patch hygiene, what, what other steps can some, an organization do or take, you know, that if they want to manage their own backups on-prem or through a data center, what, what else can they do? Yeah. So, you know, you gave away, obviously, what I think is the best answer, right? Use a service, yeah. right? Is, any any particular service the problem? <laughs> yeah, I, that would be druva.com. Um, uh, by the way, I, I just want to throw out, if you go to druva.com slash podcast, uh, you'll get some free resources there, um, you know, if you find this stuff interesting. If you, um, there are some things that you could, you should absolutely do. So, and some of them, they may sound a bit draconian, but unfortunately, this is the world that you live in. So the biggest thing is that you need to think of that backup system, if you have an on-prem one, you need to think of it as your last line of defense, and it needs to be moded off from the rest of your environment. It doesn't need to be an active directory. In fact, I would make sure that it's not an active directory. It should be a separate management domain separate administrative usernames and passwords that are not stored in Active Directory. Um, the, and again, use, use some sort of password management system, just not Active Directory, because uh, again, uh, the vul vulnerabilities that continue to happen. And, um, and not LastPass. <laughs> Those poor guys. Uh, <laughs> sorry, sorry, LastPass, but just can't go there. Um, the... So, so that the first thing is just make sure that it's walled off like that. Also, shut off services like uh, RDP, right? Uh, the, the ransomware deployment protocol. Um, the, you know, sh shut off RDP. Uh, that's the remote desktop protocol for those that don't know. But um, some of us like to call it the ransomware deployment protocol. Shut off RDP, shut off SMB, uh, you know, shut off NFS if we're talking about a a Linux server, and uh, basically shut off all non-essential services for that server. And then, um, uh, and then <clears throat> we need to talk about segregating the backup, the, the actual backup data. So the most common way, again, with Windows-based backup servers is they install the backup product and they, they have a, a drive on there and it's like, you know, F colon backslash backups. Do not do that, right? And I, I don't just mean like having a file system called backups because it is like a giant target. I mean, there are ways to have the backups stored in your data center, but not visible as files on your backup system. Mm -hmm. um, the, generally speaking, we're talking about a third party backup appliance point right something like um you know data domain uh from from dell um exagrid quantum number of companies make these devices that can communicate with your backup product via some proprietary protocols rather than smb or nfs and you're able to store the data on these other systems um in a way that so if someone does attack your backup server they will look and they can't find any files. So they can't, they can't easily delete your backup. 
And then the next would be that some of these, you need to start looking at immutability, right? And there's two ways to get immutability. Some of the products have an immutable option on-prem. I'm not a huge fan of that, um, mainly because the ones that I'm thinking about, they use a Linux, they use Linux, uh, and the, there's an immutable flag that you can set on files in the Linux, uh, in Linux. The problem is someone with root can unset that flag, right? So if someone were to compromise that backup server, and again, Linux is not invulnerable, right? Uh, they can unset that flag and then delete all your backups. So I'm not a huge fan of on-prem quote mutable systems. The best thing I think if you're going to stick with an on-prem system is to get at least one copy offsite uh, into an actual immutable storage system like AWS. Uh, again, most of these backup products, they have the ability to do this for you automatically, copy that data up to uh, S3 with the immutable flag turned on. And in that case, you can actually turn it on in such a way that even you cannot delete the backups uh, if you want to, right? So you're, you're sort of contractually committing, I want to keep this backup there for 90 days, and even I can't delete it, right? We can do that in Drupa, right? It's just built into that, um, you know, that you just check a flag and then magic happens. And even, even an authorized administrator isn't able to delete the backup before it's... Um, it's assigned uh, expiration, right? But with these other backup products, you can create copies so that it is, it is up in the cloud. It's not the best place necessarily to have a copy when you go to do a large disaster recovery, but at least you will have a copy, <laughs> right. right? So, yeah, so that'd be the you know, sort of the segregation. And I didn't mention patch management. I do, I do just, you know, you said it already, but I just want to mention that that backup server, I think it needs to be on the front end, right? Of the, you know, there's, it takes a while to, to roll out all your patches. I think you should start with the backup system because nobody does that. Everybody mm -hmm. puts it way at the end of the line. And I'm saying <clears throat> your backup system is the last line of defense. Fix it first, right? Um, yeah, so. I, I think that's some great and very detailed advice there. At the same time, I, there may be people who are listening going, God, that sounds like a bunch of stuff we have to do, a big hassle. Hence the attractiveness of going yeah. with a if, data protection as a service provider. If only there was a company that would just do all that for you. Right? What's that company called? <laughs> yeah, that would be yeah. Druva. Yeah. No, that's, that's, that's awesome. Um, and again, I mean, some organizations may have a legitimate uh, reason for not going that direction and, and for keeping control of it. Um, but again, it's, it, it takes a fair amount of work. Um, At what, by the way, ahead. I, I just yeah. throw on one other thing. You should be doing pen testing of your backup environment, specifically your backup environment. Because again, backup systems had known vulnerabilities. Let your pen tester attack your backup system. I'm, I'm just assuming you're using a pen tester, right? So you, just make sure that your back your backup system is included on your pen test that, that I'm I'm sure you're already running. Again, more valuable advice. Um, what what are your thoughts? Okay, there there you, you have an incident. 
how important is the response plan? What are some of the key attributes of an effective response plan? Well, the number one key attribute of an effective response plan is that you have one. (laughs) Um, That you made it beforehand, right? Um, I can think, and I I don't want to pick on them because they're they're a big company, but uh, there was a company last year that ha- that had a major attack against their infrastructure. And on one hand, I commend them that they um, they they communicated effectively throughout the thing. They did my favorite way of communicating, which is they created a dedicated blog page to the incident and they updated it frequently. All I had to do was follow that one page. That's about as good as it's going to get. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but unfortunately, by giving that information, what we saw was they clearly didn't have a plan before the incident happened. Right. They, they basically said, well, we, we think we think we're going to do this. Right. We think we're going to restore over to these other servers. And they're like, OK, we've taken the backups now. We managed to successfully restore those other servers. And, and now we're testing to see if we can use those servers. Right. And so, this went on for two weeks. For two weeks, this, this I don't, I'm not going to say household name, but sort of data center, you know, company name, it was clear that they did not have a plan going into it, right? So, yeah. So, number one thing is that you, you need to do this in advance, have these discussions in advance, and, and make decisions about the different recovery scenarios that you might and different attack scenarios that you might find yourself in. Um, I'd say the the one of the most important things that you can do is to again in advance identify, contact, and tr- contract with an incident response firm. Mm-hmm. Right? Talk to your um, you know talk to your cyber insurance provider, and this is this is the role that they're playing a lot now. Right? Rather, you know. In the early days of these attacks, the role they were playing was they were just paying the ransom. Either. They're not doing that anymore, right? Yeah. They're they're now actually starting to say uh, that you you need to have an IR firm as part of it, right? Figure out who those people are going to be, then figure out the people in your organization who are authorized to declare an event uh, and to authorize the remedial actions that will be necessary. I'll give you an example. Who's authorized to shut off the external network, right? Who's authorized to shut down critical, business-critical applications that may still be functioning, right? That, that's, I think that's the hardest decision that companies have to make is we've got this, this fire over here, but everything over here is okay, but in order to make sure this fire doesn't get out, we're we're gonna shut you know we're gonna shut down everything. Make that decision in advance. Make sure that, that there's a there's a chain of command, um, so that when you have the the lonely operator at one in the morning, because it's always one in the morning, <laughs> on a Saturday morning, right? On a yeah. holiday, it's it's always it's it's it's. I mean, I'm not I'm not joking, right? It's like three day weekends. You know, God forbid Thanksgiving, a four day weekend. It's going to happen on those weekends when everybody's off. So identify what happens when you get a trigger. What's the chain of command and who's authorized to make sure that that stuff happens? 
And and I do think that that one of the first things that you should probably think about is shutting off uh, uh, access, right? Um, and um, the and then also shutting down servers, the um, the the and then sort of slowly bringing up servers as you figure out who, who's infected and who's not infected. And um, because that's going to be the hardest part, the actual assuming you have a decent uh, disaster recovery plan and disaster recovery system, uh, and it didn't get infected in, in the attack, the recovery part is actually the easiest part. Figuring out what you can safely turn on and not continue to infect yourself mm-hmm. um, is, is, is the hard part, right? Um, so the easiest way to do that is to shut off all, all access. Like nobody's talking to anybody. Right. There's a scene. Did you ever watch um, Alias when it was on Jennifer Garner? No, I didn't. Okay. You know, it's a espionage, you know, spy yeah. thing, CIA thing. And there's this one scene <clears throat> where they, they, they had an exfiltration attack happen. And um, Marshall Flankman, which was the um, uh, socially inept uh, IT guy, you know, stereotype, right? Uh, <laughs> it's <because>, a stereotype. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, but brilliant. He's a brilliant guy, just, you know, a little goofy, especially around Jennifer Garner. Right. Um, but there's a scene where he goes running into the data center and he says, They're downloading all the files off the server. And he's just flipping switches, he's just flipping power switches, right? <laughs> to have a way of doing that. And you need to decide in advance that that's going to be an okay thing to do um, because you will clearly get pressure not to do that uh at the time so you're gonna you should make all these decisions in advance uh and say look if 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 we got a ransomware we're gonna all agree that we're gonna yes it's gonna hurt right but you know we got to make sure we stop the attack right um yeah have you come across any firms that um consultants that will come in and and work with an organization to help them put together an incident response plan because if you don't have absolutely yeah yeah, absolutely. I mean, like the the IR firms that I'm talking about, they will yeah. definitely, uh, they will definitely do that for you. Okay. Yeah, that'd be huge. So uh, again, g- great advice. Um, what what are the future developments for uh, for your industry? You know, what what are I the think... next bells and whistles or developments, evolutions that are gonna that we're gonna see? Well, I think what you're seeing in a lot of companies that are doing data protection, backup and recovery, disaster recovery, most of the innovation at this point has been around security. Um, and, it's, and it's a response to the demand. Uh, for, for, for far too many years, backup was, you know, just that dirty little secret in the corner. Nobody wanted to have anything to do with it. And as a result, it, it just, it just didn't follow industry best practice, right? Um, going back, you know, I've been doing this, uh, you mentioned in the beginning, since 93. So now over 30 years I've been doing this. And in the beginning, like I remember informa- the information security folks that I would work with, they like hated me because I did all these really insecure things. Like, you know, for those who've been around a while, RSH, right, was a, was a remote shell incredibly insecure way to do stuff on remote servers. And I'm like, 
I have no other way to automate the backups of this giant data center other than to use RSH, right? And that problem continued for a long time, all the way up until the last several years. Finally, we're getting features like role-based administration, right? Um, applying the concept of least privilege. Uh, and also, I think you will see, just like everywhere else, you will see ML and AI taking off in the backup space, primarily from a, um, uh, from a data security perspective to make sure that, um, to basically look for abnormal patterns uh, that would do damage to your data, right? To look for, uh, you know, a, a rogue administrator or someone posing, you know, someone who's got stolen credentials and they're trying to delete all your backups or they're trying to delete all your backup configurations or uh, dial your uh, retention back to one day, right? Um, and I know that, like, if you look at the features that we've come out in the last year or two, it, it has been, it's not the, I mean, we've added functionality as well. Like we just added support for SAP, um, uh, SAP HANA. And, uh, but we added features where like, uh, we added essentially a recycle bin for your backups. Meaning if you accidentally deleted your backups or if, if a threat actor deleted your backups, we would notice, we would call, we'd say, hey, somebody's deleting your backups. Did you mean to do that? And, and you might go, oh, crap, did I do that? Or, <laughs> you know, there, there's a hacker that did it. A recycle bin uh, added that feature so that you can just easily undelete essentially your backups for, you know, a, a time period that you specify. And then we added that feature of, um, you know, immutability where you can specify on a backup basis, no one can delete these backups, even me, before they're supposed to automatically expire, right? And I think you'll continue to see those features in the rest of the industry where, um, you know, the, the, they're continuing to just make things more and more secure. Mm -hmm. um, and the, and then the other thing that I think I'm hoping, here's what, here's an area where I hope happens. One thing that I'm concerned about because I push so hard that you need to do, you need to back up your SaaS providers. But I'm hoping that right now, um, the number of SaaS providers that a typical company have mm -hmm. it, it is measured in the hundreds, right? I, I know, um, you know, we, we, Druva, use hundreds of SaaS providers as a company just doing business, right? Me personally, I use about 15 SaaS products, just me, right? And, and most of those are products that I'm the only one that uses them, right? Like the product we're using right now, Riverside, right? That's a SaaS yeah. product. Um, and, uh, and you and I also use Descript, also a SaaS product, right? Yeah. And the, you, there are, I'm concerned with the number of SaaS products that have no functionality built into them for backup, for backup and recovery. Right. Um, and I'm hoping I, that this will change. I mean, like. Shouldn't that be one of the selling points of a SaaS product is that we we have these these backups kind of baked in, um, or that could be an, an upsell opportunity where you know if you check box A, we will use uh, you name the company 
to yeah, do yeah. data protection as a service. I mean, I would think well, that there's a good channel opportunity there for selling a service um, and then an upsell on the, on the, uh, the, the, the SaaS provider's side. I think so, right? Uh, but also I know that, you know, in the history of IT, no one's ever bought a, bought a database because it had a really good backup product, right? Mm. Um, so generally speaking, people are going to buy the SaaS product that they like, right? Nobody's going to buy, let's say, a Google Workspace over Microsoft 365 because they have a backup product. They're going to pick the product that works for them. Fair enough. Um, but I do agree with you that this is a business opportunity that SaaS products are missing out on, mm. right? One company who's the exception here is Salesforce. Um, Salesforce has a backup service integrated into their product and you do pay extra for it. It is expensive, but it's, you know, and, and I know nothing about its design and whether or not it, it uses proper backup and recovery design. We support backup, uh, Salesforce backup, right? But uh, Salesforce, it's the only SaaS company that I can think of that has a service that is officially advertising itself as a backup service that you can just pay extra for and get, right? Um, but I'm hoping that, that, so that's my hope, is that these companies will, um, will figure that out. And yeah. then maybe that'll be, maybe that'll be my next um, phase of my career is I just go around all these SaaS companies and help them figure out <laughs> how to have a decent backup system, right? Because, you know, the last time I was on your podcast, we talked about the bad, I was amazed. That, remember, we, we talked about the OHV fire in France mm -hmm. and how that they had, they were, they were a cloud provider. They're the largest cloud provider headquartered in, in Europe. Mm -hmm. And they had a backup system that they were selling their customers. And it was based on a backup server that was just literally in the same, in the same data center. And so when they had this massive fire, and it was a bad one, right, um, that um, the, it took out the backups with it. And, th and there's, I don't know what the status is, but there is a class action lawsuit of customers paying, paying, uh, or I'm sorry, suing uh, OHV over that. And amazingly, like a few months later, they went public. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how that happened. Uh, but yeah, so... I think that is a business opportunity out there, uh, and and I and I hope you're right. I hope that maybe they'll they'll start doing that. Yeah. Um, let me ask you just one more question, and this is going to be you know pretty simplistic, but I'm sitting here on a Mac, right? Yeah. And um, you know you can restore to I can go back you know an hour, two hours, three hours, right. etc. Um, how powerful is that as a backup? Um, and and what are the issues with that? So you're talking about Time Machine, I'm guessing, yeah. Yeah. right? So I like Time Machine. I think it's probably the best of the, I mean, we don't have a lot of choices, right? Mac, Windows, Linux. Of those three, I think it's got the best built-in backup system. It's a full, what I would call, bare metal recovery backup system, uh, meaning that if you've got, uh, you know, a, a, um, uh, a Time Machine backup and a brand new Mac, you can turn that brand new Mac into your old Mac by plugging in that time machine backup and restore it, right? It'll bring it back all your applications, all your data, all your settings. That's a beautiful thing. Having said that, the biggest problem with time machine is that it's a hard drive sitting right next to your uh, system, right? So 
if you've got data that you care about on your Mac or your iPhone, um, you need to back that up to something else. And iCloud is not that something else, right? Because uh, iCloud is, uh, it's interesting that you asked me this because I, I'm in the midst of a figuring out what's the right way to back up uh, Apple Photos, right? Mm -hmm. yeah, if you Google that, how to back up Apple Photos, the answer will be iCloud. iCloud. And I go, <laughs> that's not a backup. That This is like OneDrive. It's not a backup. It is a synchronization of what's on your phone. So if someone logs into your iCloud account and deletes all your photos, automatically deletes off the photos off your phone and vice versa. If you accidentally delete photos on your phone, uh, yeah, I mean, th there's, a, there's a recycle bin, but if you do a major thing and you don't know it, iCloud will not have those photos. That is not a backup, that is a synchronization. And unfortunately, going back to the SaaS thing, iCloud as a service, there's no way to directly backup iCloud with another service. There, there's no API for that service to talk to. Um, the best that I've found so far, and I, I'm literally just mid in the middle of this project, the best that I've found so far is Google um, Google Drive. Uh, the, the Google Drive app, or, I'm sorry, Google Photos. You okay. put that app on your iPhone and, the, and it will... Because the problem now is, uh, we'll just back up your iPhone. The problem is the, the uh, iPhoto has the, this idea of optimized storage. Yeah. It keeps like thumb thumbnails on your mm -hmm. phone and the, the full version's up in the cloud. Well, Google uh, Photos, the only one that I've seen so far that automatically pulls down the full res copy from the cloud uh, and then backs it up. Um, and uh, so, I'm, you know, anyway, so... It, it, so your, your question was about Time Machine. Time Machine's yeah. fine. The mm -hmm. main problem with Time Machine is that it's sitting right next to your laptop, right? Yeah. No, th thank you for that. And um, it was funny, uh, just a humorous aside, and hopefully it'll resonate with you. Um, you just said, that's not a backup. Have you ever seen the Shit's Creek episode where they were talking about write-offs? Yeah. <laughs> that's not a write-off. That's, that's not a write-off. <laughs> Yeah, I, oh. I love that show. I've seen the whole series at least twice. Yeah, oh my god, that was just show. hilarious. And yeah, <laughs> it's a write-off. Anyway, hey, um, well, hey, you, you, earlier you talked about you know the changes that AI and MT may have in our industry, and I think the whole world concerned about that right now and what jobs will mm -hmm. be replaced or changed. One of the areas that I think we're secure in, at least for the time being, eventually they'll have some talking heads that will copy our voice. But one of the areas that we're probably secure in is hosting and being guests on podcasts. So with that, Curtis, thank you so much for, uh, for being on Secure Talk again. And uh, hope you have an amazing springtime down there in sunny, warm San Diego. Oh man, it's, it's, you want me to Google and see what the weather is outside? Uh, I can tell you, it's sunny and it's 70. the same man. as it was yesterday. And exactly. <laughs> Sunny and partly cloud in seven seventy degrees or so, you know. Yeah, so it's a tough gig. Yeah. Hey, Chris. Thanks again. Man. Take care. Anytime. Hello, welcome to Secure Talk, your trusted source of information on the latest threats, trends, tools, and technology related to cybersecurity and compliance.